Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hi, folks. This week, you're hearing from Dr. Fiona Kerr on how your brain reacts with all of those Zoom meetings that we're having. I confess I've been a huge fan of virtual meetings and workshops over the past 12 months or so. However, this talk with Fiona reminded me, well, how much we miss out on when we're just interacting through the screen. Now, there's two things I want to announce here. Firstly, this conversation was recorded with Fiona last time I was in Adelaide in January. Straight after we'd recorded this, she and I headed to an Adelaide wine bar to catch up with others from the Take On Board community, and it was fabulous. Many ideas were swapped, connections were made, and the energy was just totally buzzing. So I'm heading back to Adelaide, and we're all meeting up again on Wednesday the 7th of April. So if you'd like to come along, and I'd love it if you could, get in touch. All my details are in the show notes. I'll let you know where we're meeting. Secondly, the next Take On Board event has been announced. This one is virtual, so you can attend from wherever you are. I'll be in conversation with Morgana Ryan about strategy. And she knows a lot about strategy after years in consulting as chair of the strategy committee of her board and authoring two books. Details are in the show notes and super early bird tickets are available until the 9th of April. So get in quick. Now, let's hear from Fiona. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Dr. Fiona Kerr about neuroscience and technology in the boardroom. I'm particularly interested to hear, if we get to it, about AI and how that might impact the discussion in the boardroom as well. But first, let me tell you about Fiona. Fiona is Deputy Chair of the Catalyst Foundation, a not-for-profit organisation in ageing, and Kindred Australia, and she's also on the boards of two private companies, Arfa Robotics and Curated, which is based in New York. Fiona researches, speaks and consults on a range of topics including the neuroscience of human-to-human and human-to-technology interaction. Her interest in the science and power of human connectivity has developed over more than 30 years, working in a variety of sectors in Australia and overseas, encompassing power generation, 
automotive manufacturing, defence, pharmaceuticals, state government and creative companies, including Cirque du Soleil. She founded the Neurotech Institute and works with business leaders, policymakers, engineers, scientists and thought leaders to investigate how humans shape each other, how technology shapes us and thus how we should shape technology. The centre explores how we can leverage the incredible capabilities of both humans and AI, how we can maintain the human connection in an increasingly technologised world, and particularly the last year, and how to create quality interaction and partnerships between humans and AI. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Fiona. Thank you. So fantastic to have you here, well, or for you to have me here, as the case may be, (laughs) given we're in your office. Fiona, before we dig a little bit more about boards and technology and AI, I would love to dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Fiona that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Well, it's a bit eclectic and circuitous. Uh, So I started as an anthropologist because I was really interested in people, I guess. But even before that, I have an engineering father. I was an Air Force brat. So I think I was probably about eight the first time my, my dad put a toaster in front of me and kind of said, well, it's not working. Tell me, take it apart and tell me how it works. How would you fix it? Um, so he really, right from the start, it was a case of saying, if you understand how things are connected, mm. then you will start to work out how systems work rather than just what they do. Mm. And, and mum was a matron. So the weird thing is I've ended up with, I'm now a systems engineer as well, and I did a psych degree and put the cognitive neuroscience in there. And I now have one son who's an org psych and another one who's an engineer. So it's kind of gone back out the other way. I went into management for about 25 years in those different sorts of sectors. So Mm. at about 50, I had been working for years from my own company with CEOs in organisations to create adaptive, flourishing companies. And I noticed some trends around some really got it. You know, why do some build companies that adapt well? Mm -hmm. Is it what they do? Is it how they think? It turns out to be both. But I went back to do an engineering PhD at 50 on it must be around building complex adaptive systems, and it is, but it's also around how people think. And so Mm. because I was also looking at people's brains, I ended up looking at sort of machine systems and kind of the wet systems of our own brain and didn't really think about the fact that AI was rising in the middle of both Mm. of them at the same time. So with that strange mix of qualifications but also a lot of experience, here I am. (laughs) Well, strange but incredibly useful mix of experience and knowledge around these things. And as I say, particularly given the last 12 months that we've had, We're recording this in, gosh, where are we? It's the end of January 2021 now. So our friend COVID-19 has been with us for basically 12 months, which means many of us have got much more used to technology over the last 12 months than we were previously. It's been a crash course in it. And often it's because it was so fast and there's so many limitations. I mean, I adore tech, but I also know the huge limitations it has, Mm. not only to do with human interacting but also in the tech itself Mm. and so lots of it is not actually fit for purpose for what we've made it have to do so it creates lots of different issues as well as giving us you know really good opportunities as well so there are always pros and cons and Mm. it's how you understand them that gets the best out of it well I'm hoping you're going to help us understand some (laughs) of these so 
you know, you've done so much work around, you know, as you've talked about how people connect with technology. We've had a huge amount of additional technology in the last 12 months. For those in the boardroom, what are your thoughts about how this is impacting the thinking that needs to go in, in the boardroom? Right. So for that, we need to go back to how do you go about complex problem solving mm -hmm. and complex decision making? Because at board level, we are having to steer instead of control. Mm. And so we're having to get a really good picture. And it's always nuanced and it's complicated. It's complex. It's both. So the interesting thing about how we go about complex problems is one of the reasons they're complex is because there are unknown unknowns. So mm. there's information that we haven't got. Mm. And when that happens, the brain basically says, okay, I'm going to try and retrawl all of my information banks before I have to go out and find new information and actually create new networks. Mm -hmm. So we are cognitive sloths in many ways. And the fascinating thing about human interaction is part of the PhD was really looking at how do you have some people who are very good strategic decision makers and thinkers, because I work mostly with leaders, and and why are some just not? Mm. Um, they're very linear. Even if they're successful and powerful, and they're still linear thinkers. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you interact directly with another human being is you engage empathy, especially if you're a group that know each other and trust each other. So boards that are working well together, you have a relationship with other people, you have a level of trust with those people, and you get a number of things happening. You get neural synchronisation from face-to-face -face interaction. You get chemicals that we actually exchange mm -hmm. in proximity. So we're now up to about 2,000 chemicals potentially that we exchange in a, a shared space. You get... So many questions even about that, but we'll come back to it. Okay, go on. You get all sorts of brain-to-brain -brain coupling and brain-to-motor coupling through voice. Mm. You know, the voice sits at three to eight hertz. It does all sorts of things when you are talking to another human being. Um, when you look at each other, there's masses of things that go on with specific neurons and then the oxytocin, the dopamine, the mm -hmm. serotonin, all sorts of chemicals. So what you get is an electrochemical interaction. Mm -hmm that is rich um, in terms of the values base that you use for making decisions. Mm. So when you have direct interaction, you turn on that emotional engagement, and a large part of that is through direct interaction with another human, then that retrawling that the brain does to do with the complex problem starts to be based on long-term thinking and it starts to be aligned with consequential values. Mm. And there's quite a lot of those things that don't turn on over screens. So one of the things we've known for many years about virtual leadership, virtual innovation, virtual decision-making, is you don't have as much in the way of innovative thinking mm. and a number of the aspects of complex thinking. And that in the last 12 months, because we've been doing you know, research with the DOD and, and various kind of groups, that's already shown to have spiked. So, you know, for many of us, as I say, the last 12 months, there hasn't been an opportunity for what we are having now, which is yeah. this face-to-face -face interaction. 
are there things that boards and board directors should be thinking about that can create some of those things, even in the Zoom or whatever it might be environment, to have that rich interaction and rich thinking when you can't avoid having video conferencing or whatever yeah. it may be? Yeah. I guess the, f the first thing I'd say is we can go on to how you maximise your sort of emotional connection in a, a virtual situation. Mm. But... The step before that, mm. I'm still working quite often now virtually with CIOs and CEOs. The first step is quite often the discussion around, can you do this at all? So one of the projects that we might go ahead with is how often a leader has to be face-to-face -face with their team to maintain trust. Mm. And trust is, we've always known how important it was, but it's even more important in a virtual situation. Mm -hmm for all sorts of reasons. So sometimes it is a case of, yes, you could go if you wanted to invest the time and the money mm -hmm. as an organisation or as a board. And I would say that just like it used to be, um, it's still very much worth spending that time and spending the money mm. on the odd occasion or the rare occasion that you can do that because it's fascinating starting to look at things like how often do you have to be face-to-face -to, -face to top up that relationship. Yeah. If you're on a board and you have a new person, say, that's onboarded onto that board, that sounds terrible, so taken into that board yes. without ever having met the others, mm -hmm. the actual neural dynamics of mm. that person with the rest of the board are different. Mm. And, and there's some beautiful work already uh, from years around when you take someone into, especially things that are more complex, and a board situation mm -hmm. is always the more complex decision-making, if you see them even just the first time and then you are remote, mm -hmm. the level of collaboration is much higher. And when there is a, a potential for competition or difference in a decision process, that's greatly minimised if you have met face-to-face -face and had a high-quality sort of interaction. Mm -hmm. And it is because there are some parts of the brain that are impacted mm. straight away and they are connected to socio-emotional areas. They are connected to how you start to codify what that, how that person makes you feel when you, you know, hear their voice, see them. Mm -hmm. Again, some of which translates over technology and some doesn't because mm. um, we could get into the conversation about, you know, is the screen better than a, a phone because you start getting into brain-to-brain -brain coupling with voice. Is the screen um, better than a phone? What's, what's, what's better? I've had a number of people that were saying to me last year, especially um, places like New York and, mm. and the US, sometimes I just want to pick the phone up instead because it, I feel like it's so much better having this phone conversation. Uh, neurologically, quite often that's right because yes. that cognitive fatigue that you get on mm. the screen because mm -hmm. of the fact that the brain is trying to pick up all these micro behaviours, massively working hard to do that, which don't translate over mm. a screen. You know, we haven't got retinal alignment. We haven't got a number of things across screens yet mm. that allow for a lot of that to happen. There is some early attempts through algorithms um, at picking up things like micro behaviours. Mm -hmm. No, we can't do that right now. It was still very limited. And so it means that the brain's constantly working because it's, it's looking at the face and saying, I should be getting all of this other information. Where is it? Mm. And it doesn't stop doing that. So right. that's a large part of what's wrong. And if you notice, you know, more than three or four faces, forget it. Mm. <laughs> Whereas with the voice, especially if you know the person again, then as soon as I hear your voice, immediately there's parts of the socio-emotional parts of our brains that will connect um, and there's a, that comfort level, mm -hmm. that positivism that you get. And when you're then thinking about something which we have to ideate on or it can be something that's a bit difficult, 
the room that the brain's got, because it's not being pulled to that screen and having to deal with that image, it means that we can much more easily go into that whole capacity to be able to go into creative ideation um, because we give it room to abstract. It's so interesting you say that. I I do quite a bit of work as a facilitator and one of the things I've started doing in virtual workshops is I pair people up and get them to go for, in inverted commas, a walk together. Yes. So they ring each other and they go for a walk and have a conversation, partly to get them away from the screen because we know it's exhausting, but partly because I intrinsically felt, and I'm happy to hear it may, may well be the case, that your brain works in a very different way then and it frees it up to think a bit more creatively. Well, you've added another element, which is mm. walking. Mm. So as soon as you exercise and you get, you're getting oxygen while you're doing that, then there's a bunch of, it's a chemical called BDNF Mm. and it starts to build new networks. So that's the chemical where you can build brand new brains and neurogenesis Mm. as you're speaking. And in fact, direct interaction with humans is a major way that you you get that. Mm -hmm. But certainly exercise is another. If they happen to be walking in a you know, a nice natural environment, Mm -hmm. then there's another conversation to be had about what happens. So it's a very positive thing to be doing and you even if you're a parent and you've got a teenager it's actually a really good way to talk about an issue (laughs) well I I find I don't have a teenager but as I understand it driving if you have to but walking you don't have to have that intense looking at each other (laughs) which if you're a teenager and trying to grapple with what it's like yeah can be hard to do but you've got all these other things happening you've got proximity Mm -hmm. you've got voice Mm -hmm. so you've got you know we've got five ways that we exchange information when we are directly together Mm. one of them is to look into each other's eyes which is really important but if we don't do that and that could be cultural as well that we don't do that there's a bunch of other things that just take over oh gosh i barely know where to go next AI. I'd love to touch on AI, uh, which I know is a slightly different, you know, alleyway that we're going down. But I'm so interested in AI in the boardroom and AI in boardroom decision making and those sorts of things and how it might impact boardrooms of the future. What are your thoughts around that? Okay, so so we're using AI when we do use the screens. So one of the things to think about then is, so one of my boards is in New York, and yes. Of course, I have to use the screen. Mm -hmm. There are times when I do just use the phone. Mm -hmm. And there, of course, have been times when I've gone across and gotten to know them. So when we're thinking about AI, if we're thinking about virtual members of a board, then part of that is around what is it that we have to talk about? Have the board members had a chance to meet people face-to-face? So when we are then slotting in and using screens, it's still, Mm. if at all possible, and as early as possible, you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's making sure that the technology is basically the best that you can get in terms of including them. So remember we used to have things like the call where the, the little thing in the middle of the table oh, was yes. someone somewhere else. Yep. Yeah. So, again, fraught because everyone ignores them and yes. forgets them and they probably go off and do their shopping list. So something that I did many years ago was to um, – we got a blow-up doll and actually put it on that thing in the middle so that everyone remembered Frank. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when you're using the tech, interestingly – The visual is important, but because we know how important the quality of the voice is, the speaker is actually really important. Hmm. Because if you have such a rich information base as the voice, Mm -hmm. if you haven't got a really good speaker, you're trimming off so much of that 
information. Mm -hmm. So if you had to pick, you know, I'd almost be saying you get really good sound. Yes. And it's one of the reasons that we love the podcast too. Yes. Um, Because when you've got it in your ears and you're walking along, you still feel as if you've got that person and you're imagining what it's like. And so, again, your brain is is enjoying that um, Mm. sort of multifactorial work that it has to do. So think about that um, Mm. and also think about how much you're going to use virtual versus Mm face-to-face and whether or not you move around in different areas so that you can get people together. So something that is coming up now, I'm probably just about to talk to one of the boards because one of their their chair is is at her wit's end because she just can't get the board back together again Mm. because they all want to do it from home. But the problem that they're getting as a board is it's changing their decision-making processes and it's actually changing the quality of some of their decisions and discussions Mm. because there are certain dynamics that will strengthen up with the personalities and the way that they use technology and the comfort. And also there's a number of things that aren't positive. So we've got this fantastic capacity to be able to, you know, connect to anyone. And I was working in five countries. So, yes, Mm. I absolutely use a screen Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. But also you have to be aware of what turns off. And also I have to do keynotes now Mm -hmm. over a screen. Yes. So it's hugely laborious because I know that as soon as I'm not looking at that camera – then certain parts of the brain of whoever's looking at me will turn off. Yeah. So it's being in the slide the whole time so that you're looking at the camera. It's using your peripheral vision, which is really difficult for us and highly fatiguing. Mm -hmm. If you share your screen, Mm -hmm. then the brain also, after a certain angle, that which you look away from a a face and at something else, again, certain parts of it turn off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd say what not to do is to certainly don't turn off your camera. That's a, a never turn off the camera. Because when you turn the camera off, there's a bunch of things that that just turn off in the brain. So as far as the people looking at you are concerned, you've gone. Mm. And as far as your brain's concerned, you've gone. Interesting. So it's actually both sides. Yes, because not the same areas, but different areas again. Mm -hmm. I'm making that sort of decision. And when I've talked to them 90% of the time, what ends up happening with them is their distraction level rockets after a little while because they're not seen because your brain does different things when it thinks it can be seen on a screen and when it doesn't it's lovely to watch yes (laughs) and I'm an associate in Finland is doing that work and it's really interesting and even if you turn off your microphone yeah then there is a change in the level of receptivity that you have with information yet it just always changes so they're they're massive steps back so it's about one of the reasons we're calling the, the consulting area focus mm. is it's very much about focusing. You've got to to try and get across the huge, I guess, losses mm-hmm. and maximise the positives. Yeah. But not by being over you know, enthusiastic because different parts of the brain will then turn off and on because it's a case of, oh, for goodness sakes, calm down. Like yeah. that gets, you know, that gets too much. So you've got to be engaged You've got to be positive or honest Mm -hmm. because another thing that's interesting around going across AI to have discussions is because trust is a lot more fragile Mm -hmm. in that kind of situation, the capacity to have that high trust when you want to disagree, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot more energy and focus and good radar Mm. to navigate a disagreement. Yeah. 
So it's intense. It's more intense and it's very much more fatiguing. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? So then, as I said at the start, it's been a COVID world for about a year for many of us. So I, I think what I'm hearing is that for some boards, those that have been kind of groups for a while, they're probably trading on the trust and connection that they've already built up. But yeah. when new members join them and they haven't actually met them in real life or the further you get away from that in-person connection, more challenging it will get. It can be. And certainly the work around onboarding that we do, it's just mm. fascinating the, you know, the consistencies around what doesn't work and what's what the difficulties are yeah. when you're trying to get people in in a situation where they haven't had that direct interconnection, which does make neurophysiological changes. So it does change the patterns that, that occur. So for that chair of the board that you were talking about before that's... Um battling to get her board back together. I mean, presumably your advice to her was do what you can to get them back. But in what way? What what can... Because this is going to be a common... Oh, it is. It what, is. What's your advice And it to has chairs? been for years. I mean, oh. one of the reasons I went back to uni was to actually to do the PhD, was to get the signs because I would be in the boardroom or on the executive committee so often talking about what a lot of them that weren't good with people and often weren't complex thinkers mm -hmm. just brushed off as, you know, that's the soft stuff, you know, or, or else, well, I'm a senior manager, I must be good with people. And just discounting the criticality of interconnectivity in organisations mm -hmm. in order for people to be able to think, problem solve, yep. tackle issues mm -hmm. together. You know, they just thought structures and rules do that. You absolutely have to have rules, but specific types. And one of the things you don't ever do with a rule or a structure is get in the way of direct interconnectivity to do with, you know, people's capacity to be able to work together and do things and, and collaborate and create. And that's whether it's defence or CERC. It's a really interesting area. And I just got to the stage of thinking, oh, for goodness sakes, right, I'm going to go back and get the science. <laughs> and, you know, so now I'm an engineer and, just, and you know, it's because I'll stand there and, and, uh, and a scientist and, and I can, can tell them what's happening. Yeah. And it works um, because these people aren't fools. These people just have a certain way of looking at the world and... You give them data in that way mm -hmm. and it's relevant. Here's They're the right individuals. Mm. So now there's a range. And for the people that need the science, you know, for the people that are really good, complex thinkers mm -hmm. and are very good, charismatic leaders, mm -hmm. they know this. Yeah. You know, their radar is just there. They are just going to do it like falling off a log. Mm. But the people that aren't very good the way that you increase their capacity is by giving them information that they consider is actually, is relevant. Mm. And then they start going, oh, okay then. Well, if that's the base, then we'll give it a go. Yeah. And, and it shifts the dial and they say, all right, well, we'll do this as well then. And, and you can just get them involved. And the lovely thing about that is apart from the – Probably, I don't know, because we haven't done it, but, you know, the tiny percentage, think of a bell curve yes. around people's capability with a sort of complex thinking capacity. There are people at one end that are just born complex thinkers and there are people, very few, that are never going to be no matter what. They mm -hmm. are the linear thinker with the tiny little yes. view of the world. But everyone else, the more you expose people to complex problem solving yeah. with some agency, and that is critical. Mm -hmm. They have to have agency to actually fail mm -hmm. because it's only when we act something out 
that a lot of that learning is encoded into the brain. So, and what we get, of course, is in organisations at senior level, they tend to be the only ones that can try out things. So they're learning mm. and getting better. And unless you allow that capacity appropriately at all these levels, you know, appropriate problem solving mm-hmm. and agency, you don't get that adaptive organisation. So, yeah, it becomes really interesting because you you watch as even the people that don't really have truck with this at the beginning, they start it. And that's whether it's a, a board member or a, a surgeon, because I work with, it, you know, the whole thing around health technologization for human-centric healthcare. You know, oh, well, you so really we have to be nice to patients because they're told not to, you know, the older ones. Now it's a bit different now, but not all the time. Yeah. And you really see them coming back going, oh, actually that works quite well. We're all beautifully flexible. We just need to experience something, understand why. Mm, Yes. And then we can get on with it. And so this is often the why. So... Oh, Fiona, I knew this would happen. You know, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. But even in amongst that, there's so many beautiful pearls of wisdom for people to take away. So what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Then the boardroom for themselves looking inwards, I guess, it is about thinking about the connection mm-hmm. um, in order to be able to maximise your ability to make nuanced, complex decisions together as a group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you need to enrich that? How does technology sit in that? How do you best use it? And then when don't you use it? That becomes really important. And then for boards thinking about organisations, I think it's understanding that because they are in a, a steerage situation, often more than a control situation, then that capacity to create the trust and alignment and the clarity around sense of purpose because that was the two things that came out of the the 15 years of information that went into the thesis mm. on creating and leading adaptive companies that's exactly what it was was a very clear shared purpose mm-hmm. and very strong values alignment right and that's not nearly as easy to do as you think yes but When you've got those, if you think about it, then what the board creates and the executive group as well is everybody knows where they're going. Everybody knows that they're not always going to know how to get there, Mm -hmm. but someone's got their back. Yeah. So they step into that unknown. And if you think about how important that is now, you know, we look at next normal, not just new normal and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So how do you get people to step into that space of possibility? Yeah. And it's by them trusting that those values will be maintained, even when it's difficult, mm-hmm. and that we do have a shared direction. We have a shared place that we're all aiming at. Then what you get is a very high level of innovation in there because they know where the edges are. You know, they can steer against them. Yep. And then that's when you get the creativity. Not when you just say, do whatever you like, but when you say, this is what we're trying to do and this is how we will go about it, as in looking after each other, then it becomes a much better journey. Oh, great advice there for people to think about. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Well, I'm actually finishing... Um, an advanced leadership book, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> which is Sounds based like an excellent resource <laughs> based on the thesis. And I'm amazed how many CEOs have said to me, "I've read your thesis," <laughs> and you think, "Oh my God!" Only it's your mother and your, you know, <laughs> your supervisor, and that's 
hopefully going to be finished in three months. The draft's finished in three months, so it's going to come out this year. Okay. Yeah. That and looks- that, that looks at how to structure organisations and also how to, you know, how you th- what you do and how you think. Oh, thank you so much for this conversation today. I know that it is going to be super useful for people to have a listen to. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. You're welcome. It was lovely. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. Bye.